0: So uh, I have a uh, another guest today. Uh, This is going to be um, my brother in Christ, Rod Taylor, who is actually the federal head of the Christian Heritage Party of Canada. And he's going to talk a little bit about the history of the party, why the party is necessary, why it exists. And then I have some questions for him, uh, both um, personal questions as well as questions I fielded from other people about our party and what's going to happen with it or what is happening with it in terms of platform. But if I have time, I will ask Rod as well. So, uh, yeah, so he, so Rod is here and he can introduce himself. Yes.
1: Uh, hello, Chris. Thanks for uh, reaching out from uh, the Prince Edward Island. To, uh, I'm in British Columbia right now. Tonight, mm-hmm. we're in Surrey. My wife and I are mm-hmm. on our way to the March for Life in Victoria. I'm going to be speaking there on Thursday. Uh, same the same day as March for Life is going on in Ottawa. I'm usually in Ottawa, but this time I'm going to be in Victoria, the capital of British Columbia. And uh, so I'm in the basement of a house where we're staying with friends here. And uh, interestingly, we we visited yesterday the home of Gerhard and Annalisa uh-huh. Perrowick. And... It was in their basement in Surrey that the Christian Heritage Party was formed uh, 37 years ago. Uh, So some people got around the table, around a ping pong table, uh, which I believe still exists, uh, and began discussing back in those days. I was not a part of those original discussions, but there were people from Catholic and Protestant backgrounds who got together. They had worked hard to help get elected members of parliament uh, and members of the legislative assembly. And they'd worked in the conservative party and the liberal party. I don't know if there were any NDPers in among the bunch, but, but they had helped elect members who claimed to be pro-life. And of course, you know, abortion was becoming a thing back then. Uh, Today in Canada, we kill about a hundred thousand babies per year it's hard to get the real numbers because the government is uh, hiding those numbers. But anyway, they found that they had worked hard to elect members of parliament, and then the member of parliament would kind of forget what they had said on the, you know, on the campaign trail. They, they avoided the topic of abortion. And after a number of disappointments of that nature, uh, these folks felt, no, we have to have a party that is dedicated to this cause, to the cause of life. And now we, we call it life, family, and freedom is kind of our, our battle cry now. But but in those days, uh, the uh, the big concern was about <clears throat> the protection of uh, preborn infants from the the uh, killed, being killed by abortion. So they uh, <clears throat> they formed the party in 1986. It was registered as a federal political party in 1986. In 1987. They held the first convention, elected uh, Ed Van Woodenburg to be their founding leader. And uh, my wife actually attended that convention. It was in Hamilton, and we live in northern British Columbia. So she took the Greyhound bus from Smithers, B.C. down to Hamilton, Ontario, to be a part of that historic convention. I was working night shifts and day shifts and other kind of shifts at at the uh, lumber mill. We were raising our teenage children at the time. But so it was my wife that went to the first meeting and uh, heard about CHP. And we said, yeah, this is for us. We've got to get involved because we saw some of the handwriting on the wall, things that were coming. And abortion is just one of them. But some of the gender confusion now is Mm -hmm. going on in the schools, um, freedom of speech issues, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. So that's how the Christian Heritage Party came to be. In 1988, they ran their first uh, a slate of candidates in a federal election, and we we became members in '87, but we weren't you know too seriously involved. I was we were building a house, and uh, I was uh, as I mentioned working in the sawmills, raising our children, and uh, but in 1993, I ran for the nomination in our district. I came to realize, hey, in a, in a free country like we live in, uh, anyone, you don't have to be a lawyer or a major in political science to represent uh, voters in an election, uh, a person of principle and character, should be able to step up to the plate, uh, go from carrying a lunch pail, as I was doing, to the sawmill. And, and uh, you know, you have you don't have to be a rocket scientist to have common sense. In fact, some of the rocket scientists and engineers and and Lawyers uh, seem to lack common sense. Um, but anyway, so I, I I was not chosen in that first nomination. A good friend of mine became a candidate and we supported his candidacy. But later on in 2001, I, I don't, maybe this is a longer answer than you're looking for. But in 2001, I ran for a provincial party called the BC Unity Party. Oh,
0: okay. And, um,
1: you know, I, I did. I did fairly well. We, we were kind of part of forming that provincial party. It was uh, um, an amalgamation or a merger of five existing parties. Uh, there was the Family Coalition Party, BC Reform, uh, BC Social Credit, BC Conservatives, and uh, and the BC Party came together. We all dropped all those other labels and became the BC Unity Party. Unfortunately, we didn't elect anybody in the first election. And by the time the second election came around, um our leader had gone on to do something else and and there wasn't a real strong progression to a new leader so that party kind of uh you know fizzled over time but it we were part of the formation of it and it had the same principles we made sure that if we were going to support it it had to be protection of innocent human life from conception to natural death support for traditional marriage between one man and one woman and uh, support for the preamble of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which these words, whereas Canada is founded upon principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. So, uh, you know, we thought those things had to be in the foundation of the of the platform, same as they are for the Christian Heritage Party. So so that was my kick at the cat, so to speak. <laughs> I ran provincially. And then in 2004, there was a nomination contest for the Christian Heritage Party in, uh, well, in Skeena-Bulkley Valley, which is the northern riding where I live. And that includes the town of Smithers, where we were living at the time. So um, that's how I got involved in ran in a number of election campaigns. And in uh, 2014, well, I, I served as deputy leader for five and a half years. In 2014, I was... Chosen to be leader of the party, and so we've been busy doing that work ever since. I'm no longer working in the sawmills now. I'm uh, traveling, and this trip I'm gonna we're gonna be in Victoria first and on the Vancouver Island, but then I'll be flying to Ottawa and to the Maritimes for a quick visit. As you know, I'm coming for a one night uh, meeting in Prince Edward Island, and um, so that that's sort of a in a nutshell what. How the Christian Heritage Party came to be. And we find wh- why it exists, why we need to exist, is <clears throat> there is no other federal party, and especially the big three, uh, liberals, conservatives, and the NDP, that as a party is standing for the protection of uh, innocent human life. And that goes for abortion. Also for euthanasia, what they euphemistically call made medical assistance in dying, about 10,000 Adults are are killed every year now with uh, under Justin Trudeau's made system, and as well as the hundred thousand babies. So uh, we think the devaluation of human life is so critical that you need a party, not just members. Now there are some good members in Parliament. I want to say that Kathy Wagenthal in uh, uh, Yorkton, Melville, Saskatchewan, <clears throat> and Rachel Thomas in. Uh, and Lethbridge, those are a couple of outstanding and Arnold Veerson up in northern Alberta, uh, people who stand up for um, you know, the values that we share. But they're in a party, the conservative party, <clears throat> that that doesn't have those values uh in their platform. And in fact, their party leader now, Pierre Polyev, uh, is not pro-life and he's not pro-traditional marriage. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't stand up for those things. So uh, we think these people really belong in our party. They just haven't realized it yet. But we do support the good members of parliament that are are speaking up for life, family, and freedom. We do support their efforts. So that's a long answer to your question. So thanks that, for giving me
0: time. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Take as much time as you need. But yeah, it, it's interesting that you should mention Pierre Polyver, uh, because um, for me, as soon as he got the actual um, leadership of the conservative party um that to me was pretty much the writing on the wall that anything that sort of social conservative um <clears throat> sort of older fashioned <laughs> conservatives if you will more biblically christian-based conservatives that we were pretty much out of luck with that party <laughs> at the moment because he he very he he's very obviously to me more sort of almost a libertarian light sort of person yeah. and he obviously doesn't really um care too much to even touch the social issues at all he's much more about um the fiscal issues not that fiscal issues aren't important they are but it's just that oh yeah. I, I i just think um i just think it's really odd to even consider yourself a conservative if you're also not socially conservative as well as fiscally conservative well, I
1: think, uh, you know, I, we listened to his acceptance speech when he was chosen as leader of the party on the first ballot. It was quite a dramatic thing. We had, you know, supported some of the other candidates like Leslie Lewis. We, mm-hmm. Not by supported. I mean, we were kind of hoping that the conservatives would, would choose a more, more socially conservative leader. Um, the, the party did not choose. The party went for Pierre. Now, <clears throat> Pierre is very articulate, very quick on his feet. Uh, he's been a quite a uh, strong bulldog in the house as far as holding the liberals to account for many things and on the economic issues he's uh, we don't know what he'll actually do if he becomes prime minister but but he speaks a good uh, line as re- regarding the economy of course our the national debt and uh, deficit spending and all that stuff is is horrific but uh, uh, but he's been clear that he's Pro-choice in terms of what what they call pro-choice, uh, we call it pro-abortion, but yeah. uh, and that uh, as far as LGBTQ issues, he seems to be in line with with the status quo. So, uh, absolutely, I'm 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 surprised at the number of uh, Christians and other I know pro-lifers who somehow think that uh, in spite of his stance, that they're going to make advances. Obviously, we all want. We all who care about this country and and have any bone of conservative principles in us uh, would like to see Mr. Trudeau and his uh, colleagues, you know, dismissed from the House. Uh, They've they've worn out their welcome. They weren't out the people of Canada really weren't out our pocketbooks. And they have put so many things in place with censorship. Uh, You know, Bill C-11 is uh, one, but there's more coming.
0: Oh, yeah. The C-38 was it 38 or 18 or something like that that they wanted to pass, too. That's com- coming down the pipe.
1: And, uh, and C-21, a gun control, a firearms uh, control. Uh, they're, they make no bones about where they're going. I mean, there are some things that are hidden, but they're pretty open about the uh, <laughs> dictatorial uh, direction that they're going. In, oh, in oh
0: uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I even I was taking a look at in God's providence. I was actually taking a look at their pla- platform information last night about what they wanted to do in 2023. Um, some of the stuff that came out of their conference. And I noticed that they have a big, uh, a big whole section there on so-called disinformation and yeah. controlling disinformation. And then the other section that really stood out to me, was the whole um, walkable and safe-sized cities for climate change? Basic. Sure. That's which is obviously a fifteen-minute, fifteen-minute uh, cities agenda um, in yeah. more nicer language. So it definitely looks like they're pretty much going down, following whatever the international set <laughs> wants. Yeah.
1: Um, well uh, senior Trudeau uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau of course launched in that direction um you know was at one time a card-carrying communist and, and, and certainly uh he didn't mind uh you know, pushing his agenda um not everything that he I think his son is worse actually um maybe not as not as smart in some ways, but uh, maybe not as likable in some ways even, but he certainly has uh, pushed the agenda and he doesn't care. Uh, it, it's obvious that he does not care mm-hmm. about the feelings, different different thoughts and feelings of Canadians, mm-hmm. if, if you disagree with him. That's when he calls you purveyors of misinformation and disinformation. Mm-hmm. There's no open dialogue, no discussion of what might be right or wrong or the pros and cons. He's just going to go with what he wants to do. And it's uh, it's a bully bullying thing. Um, now they've just, I, I just interviewed, um, it just came up today, uh, was posted up today, my interview with Harold Jonker, the, one of the truckers who has just now been charged 15 months after the uh ottawa freedom truckers freedom convoy has now been charged with some uh, counts that you know really don't make sense uh none of it makes sense but it's a vindictiveness that this prime minister just wants to punish people for having you know the temerity to disagree with him on anything
0: yeah i i totally totally agree um and there's even i even heard a um i don't know if you, it came at last uh, I saw it last night, but there is even something came out from the um, Liberty Coalition of Canada last night about how the at the conference they were thinking of possibly make doing the redoing the vaccine mandate, right. bring it back and 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 also mm-hmm. still putting back all the stuff about travel and 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 giving money to organizations that would actually not let people without vaccine papers into their Um, into their premises yeah Um, well throwing
1: throwing in obviously with the who and the un and and this globalist agenda it's it's so painfully obvious and they're following along with british columbia what we call canada's left coast uh and bc uh the legislature here has passed a uh bill 36 it's a terrible piece of legislation but it would put Every medical professional in British Columbia, under the direct control of the government, they want to combine all the uh, colleges, College of Physicians and Surgeons, College of Nurses, yeah. College of Chiropractors. They want to combine them. in. there's something, I, I forget the number, it's 24 or more of those colleges. They want to boil it down to six. But the mo- the worst thing is that all of those colleges would be directly controlled by the government, not by members that are elected you know yeah college should be composed of elected members who are doctors if you're a college of physicians and surgeons it could be should be your colleagues who are physicians and surgeons Mm -hmm. making decisions but in this case the government would tell them you must get vaccinated or you must Mm -hmm. do this or that it'll Mm -hmm. be a political decision not a medical one and any doctor who disagreed uh or, you know, refuse to get vaccinated could get a $200,000 fine and six months in jail. So British Columbia is uh, driving people, um, you know, out of driving medical professionals out of our province. They'll be going to Alberta and other places where it's not quite so <laughs> uh, dystopian. And, uh, and of course, Justin Trudeau likes that. They're, they've made, in British Columbia, they've made uh, drugs like hard drugs, heroin, cocaine, have basically been legalized with Justin Trudeau's approval. So they're letting, you know, uh, drug dealers run around with no fetters on them. And meanwhile, uh, a truck driver who goes to Ottawa to peacefully, they're out to destroy the country.
0: Yeah, it's... uh... It really does reek of um, divide and conquer, and like a sort of a problem reaction solution sort of thing. You know, they're making the they're, do, they do all these policies which make things horrible, and they try to come in as 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 a savior and say, oh well, we'll have these other policies which are also horrible <laughs> to try to try to fix all the stuff that happened because of our previous policies. Right. Um. Yeah. You know whether whether you come to that from more of a conspiratorial, they intended it. To happen that way view or whether you come at it from just you know government incompetence either way that seems a lot to be what has happened in the past not just recently but in the past quite a while in in terms of the politics of not our name just our nation but all over america um it just seems to be the nature of, of the beast of government <laughs> all over the world actually yeah. uh, you know, the un and
1: the who all these agreements that have been signed on to over time and it's like this government has just you know world government yeah and, lo- and national governments have grown beyond their usefulness really and have become dangerous entities uh in terms of human freedom and uh you know the ability for people to d- define their own lives and set their own goals and direction
0: yeah absolutely speaking of um international things uh in our platform we do have stuff that talks about the bank of canada and changing how some of it operates um and i guess the question that most people would have and i sort of have myself is um do you think we actually can get the bank of canada to act in the way that we want in terms of um printing uh actual sound money as opposed to relying on international bankers and investment capital and things like that what do you think is the likelihood is that if we ever did get in with any amount of power that we'd be able to actually do get the Bank of Canada to do that or is or does or is the um, the actual government have more control of the Bank of Canada than I'm thinking I do
1: well those are good questions and of course the intricacies of uh, international finance uh, you know with this fiat currency right yeah. now it's, it's Essentially represents debt, right? Uh yeah. the, the banks have been uh printing money, uh willy-nilly the printing press has been running twenty-four-seven. Um we're, you know, Trudeau has essentially doubled our national debt. We're paying ninety-five million dollars a day right now in interest on our debt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on a national debt, $95 million a day. I mean, think what you could do with that in terms of, uh, you know, policies if you had that money in your pocket. I'm sure that if, if I were prime minister tomorrow, if, if our party suddenly, uh, you know, became the dominant roadblocks in the banking system, in the court system, um, you know, even in the political system. Uh, the majority in the House of Commons, any builder who's, who's in there, if it's a Liberals, Conservatives, NDP, or, yeah. or the Christian Heritage Party, but out of our 105 senators, Justin Trudeau has appointed 66 of them. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if all 66 are still sitting, you know, senators don't always last very long, there's an age limit and so on. There's 16 empty seats right now, which uh, Justin Trudeau could fill in a heartbeat and probably will, even though they're not calling them liberal senators, they're calling them independent senators mm-hmm. People he appoints are people that think like he thinks or want mm-hmm. the same things he mm-hmm. wants. So I, I see an immediate challenge. Whether it's uh, you know People's Party, Conservative Party, Christian Heritage, you know, you're going to have difficulty. Um, the the uh, what is supposed to be a chamber of sober second thought has become a rubber. Anyway, so that's a challenge. The courts have been packed with with mm-hmm. people who do not think the way we think. Who and and they're you know some of these. uh I mean, they. for instance, they threw out Brian Peckford's court case. They said it was moot because the government had had backed off on the mandates. Well, obviously, if they're thinking about putting them back on, they've only backed off temporarily, uh, not not out of principle. And so, but a, a court said, no, we, we won't hear your case because it's moot. The mandates have been removed. Uh, and Brian Peckford, as you know, <clears throat> last living... Uh, first minister to have signed the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. He was there when it was written, put his signature to it, and uh, the courts are ignoring his his interpretation of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh, they, the courts are ignoring, uh, these appointed court justices are ignoring the supremacy of God and the rule of law, which is the, the foundation of the charter. So So whether it's, you know, whatever realm it's in, if it's in economics and finance, uh, I think we would have our challenges, but that doesn't mean we, you know, what we want to do are good things to do. And and we would go ahead and uh, advance as best we could with, you know, we would mandate balanced budgets for one thing. Yes. That's going to be difficult to do because... Mm. Right away, in your budget, you have to include ninety-five million dollars a day paying interest. That's not not performing any service for you. Uh, But so so, what we need to do as a government, whether it's Christiane's part, any government needs to get a handle on on the debt, and to do that is going to require cutting somewhere. You have to cut the budget. That's not always popular. Uh, That's not always popular with people. In fact. The, part of the reason we are where we are is because the big parties have used taxpayer money and now the the future taxpayers of Canada, who are not even born yet, uh, when they are born, they already owe $30,000 of uh, federal debt. And uh, they have used that money to buy votes when they promise any people group, any advocacy group to they're going to spend money on. Some project, whether it's abortion, whatever, that's money that comes out of taxpayers' wallets. Absolutely, it, but it buys votes with those people who want those things, and so they're using my money to buy votes for their policies, and it that, that irks me terribly.
0: <laughs> oh, a- absolutely, yeah, uh, that's not what um, that's not what taxes wherever they might exist are actually for. They're not for giving to um, any side's sort of personal activist group or whatever it might be yeah. that gets money, It's right? Like and, and of course, the, the, the parties in the House
1: yeah. have crafted policies for their own benefit. For instance, the big party in election, they get taxpayers. So if they spend $40 million uh, for buying we don't get that um you have to achieve a certain threshold and the parties in ottawa have d- determined that threshold so uh it makes it very difficult and very challenging for smaller parties to uh, to begin to gain influence um we have other uh, economic issues that also uh, we think they're innovative we think they're powerful policies um but they will need to be uh vetted and approved by you know, basically voters and and taxpayers. And so to get our message out, one of the things we would replace the income tax with what we call a
0: fair tax, which is a a national sales tax. So, yes, I do think that plan is actually really excellent um, because the current form of taxation, especially the so-called progressive income tax is absolutely immoral in my view. I think it's also completely ungodly because you're you're actually taking the sweat of a person's brow with their income um, and just taking it from them out of, thin air, out of out, just out of force out of thin air and you're you're not letting them actually save what they earn which is totally wrong okay. uh, to me that's that to me that's a form of legalized theft and plunder and nothing more because yeah. you're taking and- someone's hard earned income it's not like they're going somewhere and voluntarily giving it to you like you, we would say through the sales tax idea or a fair tax idea or consumption tax, whatever type of tax it ends up being, the the, the replacement tax. Whereas at least in that way, it's somewhat voluntary because you're going and you're paying it on something you're you're buying or something we- like that. So you'll be able to decide if you yeah. want to buy a,
1: a, a compact, uh, economical vehicle, uh, yeah. you know, a low cost vehicle. You can do that, and you'll pay much lower tax. If you want yeah. to buy a Lamborghini or something uh, high end, you're going to pay more tax. And yeah. on a straight uh, percentage basis, right? Uh, it'll be a not a not a progressive basis. It'll be uh, there will be a tax percentage that. You know, when you spend more money, you're going to pay more tax automatically. But, but um, yeah, we think you know because right now the way it is, the harder you work, the more hours you spend. You know, it it's not only that you're paying increased income tax because of the amount, but you're paying it based on a, a increased percentage. And of course, uh, these MPs that are now making one hundred ninety four thousand dollars a year from uh, from their taxable, you know, uh, being paid by taxpayers, they don't seem to worry about that. The carbon taxes, that's another area where the prime minister has shown himself vindictively he wants to do, and um, yeah. he doesn't care what it does to Canadians.
0: Yeah, and it also shows his um, serious lack of um, scientific discernment, because he always, hes his big thing, Well, a lot of the left's big thing, even the sort of pseudo rights big thing is the uh, is the whole you know follow the science on everything but if you actually follow quote unquote, the science on climate change it's very apparent that we are not causing it that it's a natural thing we as believers as christians would say god's causing the climate to change but it's a natural thing it's not something that we're causing through co2 co2 is a natural Gas CO2 is life, it's plant food. CO2 is good. We need more CO2, not less lot exactly. less CO2. And that's something yeah. that they will never get behind even though the science is there. So that shows you that they have an agenda because if, if they really were for following the science, they would be not even think climate change was an issue, let alone tax for it. And they wouldn't have supported and pushed the vaccines because that's obviously not safe or effective. Um, or the lockdowns, right. or any of that stuff that happened during COVID. So obviously, they're yeah. not willing to follow the science on it, on anything. Yeah,
1: and in terms of the uh, male female, yeah, question, but, absolutely uh, pushing the agenda on these young children who in in the school. And now with C four, that basically also uh, the Conservative Party under have allowed to pass with with no dissent in its last. Um, that C four now makes it. Basically illegal for a parent or a pastor to counsel, in the case of a parent, their own child or a pastor, one of the parishioners who is wants to escape from a life of same sex attraction or whatever, to counsel them in that way is now illegal. Meanwhile, they're they're allowing these young children to make decisions uh, without their parents' consent or agreement that will change their lives forever. They're making, with hormones and uh, hormonal treatments and or surgery, uh, they are permanently altering their bodies in such a way that uh, those who undergo these uh, uh, surgeries particularly will never be able to have a child. It doesn't matter if they're going from male to female or from female to male, they will never be able to have a child uh, through a natural process. Many of them will not achieve any kind of, sexual satisfaction, in fact, which is really strange considering that this whole thing seems to be about sexual activity. Mm. And uh, many of them, that, well, 20 times as many that have transitioned in this way are now attempting suicide. 20 times, that's or 19 times, like, it's very close to 20, yeah. but call it 19 times. It, it's true. Terrible, uh, and yeah. they, but that they say they're following this. Yeah,
0: and of course, um, it's an an outright rebellion and revolt against God as well and his his creation ordinance. Another question I had here um, is in regards to um, the section of our platform talking about the human rights commissions, um, where we do acknowledge them removing some of the um some of the things that were done to it so that you can speak a little more freely than you could have at one point think of the idea of actually just you know getting rid of the human rights commission altogether well if, if uh, you could if you
1: could of course ch- yeah, challenges and all these things yeah. and one you know would be attacked as uh, you know they don't care about human rights and whatever yeah. the human rights commissions have been used uh in an unjust undemocratic mm-hmm. and uh, very um i i don't know what to, what to call it but uh a, a, an avenue for deciding things outside of the legislatures and outside of the courts the human rights commissions have been mm-hmm. uh, a tool for narrowing the scope of what human beings can do and say uh we are supposed to have freedom of expression in this country uh Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, and all those things are under attack, and the human rights commissions have been front and center in that effort. Um, so I, I, you know, I would I would abandon them. I would say we have laws to protect. Uh, you know, if if you actually do something hateful, you know, you use physical violence, and or you know, their words can be inciting to violence and whatever you should actually if you're going to pay a penalty for something it should be for something you've actually done mm-hmm. not for something yeah. that uh, they think that your words because they don't support the agenda they call your words hateful and uh, that's gone way too far um, you know in our country so there's a, a lot of things that could be uh, done away with just to keep the basics you know the courts, of, of course, are supposed to yeah. decide <clears throat> cases based on actual facts and the Constitution, not on yeah. their personal uh, ideas of what the law should say. They're supposed to yeah. apply the law, not uh, make the law, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, one of our um, bigger platforms uh, is um, freed- the freedom of conscience something that was very important especially over this past few years and especially during the the covid period uh and uh and i'm uh so the freedom of conscience that would um i'm assuming that that would uh extend to pre people being able to have pretty much any medical view they want and and using any pre (coughs) anything at all they medicinally that they uh they feel is going to help them with whatever their issue is?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. we saw definitely during COVID yeah. that doctors were prevented from using treatments that they strongly felt would be advantageous for their patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. Yeah. Those things are still, uh, you know, what would you call it? They were still still attacked as misinformation by the powers that be. Yeah. Um, but if if you read, you know, what we call the science, so the yeah. uh, sources of information we have, both of those products, uh, which are safe products, have been in use for years before COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they apparently saved a lot of lives, but uh, doctors were, were forbidden from using it. So in that sense, doctors had to stand by helplessly while some of their patients died mm-hmm. and uh, they didn't need to. Um, So, yeah, freedom of conscience, and also for doctors who don't want to participate in abortions in any way, do not want to refer a woman for abortion, um, don't want to participate in medical assistance in dying Mm and killing old people with a needle, uh, or even referring to a, you know, like it's a violation of their conscience to say, well, I'm not going to do it, but the guy down the hall will do it, I'll give you his phone number. That's helping someone make a bad choice. Uh, And yet um the the current we don't have any protection for doctors manitoba has some protection uh they passed legislation provincially not necessarily regarding covid but regarding uh medical assistance in dying okay. but we need national legislation that would protect uh every medical professional from being forced to do something that uh is against their conscience
0: absolutely yeah. And um, also, um, we, uh, we do um, absolutely back the idea of private property as well. So in, our, in the uh, actual platform, it mentions that there's, we're going to um, try to enshrine private property in the Constitution, something along those lines, um, I think
1: is how well. it's worded. Yeah. And of course, changing the Constitution in any way, shape, or form is difficult. Um, but private property is natural law. It yeah. has been with us uh, from, well, from creation, I believe. Uh, yeah. And certainly would be supported by the Magna Carta. It is in the Bill of Rights of Canada, mm-hmm. uh, which people don't think about very often. But a man's home is his castle. There is such a thing as uh, you know, what you worked hard to earn. That's one of the reasons why we oppose uh the current form of the income tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're using right now, I don't know if you're aware, they're using something called AMP's administrative monetary penalties. Uh, in the in the electoral realm and in other realms, they're wanting to punish people by taking their money, and they they did that. Um, you know, obviously with the truckers' convoy, mm-hmm. they grabbed bank accounts. Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We disagree with what you're doing, so we're just going to take your take away yeah. your ability to to spend money uh, mm-hmm. that you've earned and put in a bank. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we we believe in private property and it is sacrosanct. You know, yes, obviously, in the in the realm of crime, physical violence is kind of the worst thing. You know, rape, murder, uh, those types of things, stabbings—that's terrible. Of course, we allow doctors to uh, uh, abortionists to uh, to kill babies with no repercussions. Um, sadly, uh, but but you know, private property is also important. If we allow people to you know to steal and with little, uh, you know, recourse uh, to the victim, uh, we also are violating their life because those things, it doesn't stay, you know, stealing a candy bar one day and uh, breaking a p- plate glass window, you know, uh, a few years later, and then robbing a bank. I mean, they're all part of the same category of, of uh, uh, you're not caring about others, right? When someone does these things, they take what doesn't belong to them, what someone else has worked hard for, or destroy it. And it's so much easier to destroy than to uh, tend to build and plant, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. We spend a long time building a house, but someone can burn it down in an hour, right? Mm. So uh, we have to protect private property.
0: Yeah, absolutely. firearms. Yes, uh, that, absolutely. I was going to mention that after, but I'll segue to that right now since you mentioned it. Yeah, uh, including firearms and the fact that we have a... Um, we would say God-given right to bear arms for self-defense. Uh, as you mentioned, King of the Castle. Inside your home, you have the right to use whatever firepower necessary. You know you can use whatever firearms. Should be able to use whatever firearms you need in order to protect your family and or or guests or whoever might be or even just yourself whoever might be in the home, and and that includes up to the point of I would say shooting and killing the person who's in, who's yeah. invading your home. And, and it should be absolutely counted as self-defense. You shouldn't. We shouldn't have governments like we have now going after guns because that's exactly what the government's doing. And I find it very interesting that the people who are actually more freedom-oriented who are on the left, because some of them are, there are some left-leaning people who might disagree with us on a lot of economical stuff, but might be actually still pro-freedom in other areas. How they don't understand don't seem to get that going after guns is actually one uh, historically, one of the first things that any dictator does um, or whatever type of self defense weapon you have on you at the time. But in this day and age, it's, it's guns back in the old, old, very olden days would be muskets and stuff. But the first thing that the, the government who's tyrannical or bent on domination of some sort is to take, is to take the guns. And most people don't realize that they will actually go along with the 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 whole gun grab mentality, um, even if they might be pro-freedom in other areas because they don't understand the link there. And I find that quite interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, the uh you know, many of the horrendous Murders that have taken place, of course, uh, guns aren't the only, you know, knives can be used for murders as well and are are used. Cars, you know, yeah. there are people being killed by other methods other than uh, firearms. But uh, most of the time, the perpetrator uh, does not legally possess the firearms, for one thing. Um, and many cases already has a criminal record for violent behavior. Not Not always, but uh so we let people get away they say getting away with murder but we do let people back on the street who have a history of violent uh, crime mm-hmm. um those two fellows from Saskatchewan there that uh took place last year or the one one was the real perpetrator he had been in and out in and out in and out of jail and and he finally uh something snapped and he went on a murder spree right well it, yeah, guns are a problem, but um, I mean, the, the problem with a gun in the hands of a murderer, a potential murderer, is that it acts more rapidly and from a distance. So that's, you know, the difference between a gun and a knife is a gun, you can do more damage in a shorter period of time mm-hmm. and without being in physical, you know, contact with the person. But the principle is still the same. The first murder on this earth took place. Cain killed his brother Abel. They were they had the whole earth at their disposal. Uh, it's the wickedness of of sinful human nature that allows someone to take something in their mind. and we need to train people uh, from the beginning, from in sound family settings, you know, to love their brother. And to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So love your neighbor as yourself and treat others the way you would like to be treated. And we seem to be in our schools and institutions and broken homes where we're not getting that message across. So then we have troubled uh, young people coming up who are and who become troubled old people, right, often, and uh, do things that they ought not to do, and a gun is just a tool in the hand. It could be a hammer, it could be, you know, a knife, it could be anything else, uh, but we need to, it's the human nature that is at fault, not the, not the weapon.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely, and I am really glad that you uh, um, brought scripture into that and went back to the story of Cain and Abel, the history there, because that's very important to understand, that um not just murder but um any horrible thing done to our neighbors is really it's really part of our um i'm from the reform uh stream so i would say total depravity but original sin whatever term you want to use Mm -hmm. and that it's really it is really is human nature and not not the actual tool and there have actually been some horrendous murders um with actual hammers you brought up a hammer there.
1: Chris, I'm going to have to tell you, I've got another meeting starting in just a few minutes. Uh, We haven't covered everything probably, but uh, uh, we'll have to leave some for another time.